welcome to Enter the Glory Zone with me, Dr. Edith Davis, on 94.1 FM, Wave 94. Happy 2020, 5,780 for the Jewish calendar. Yes, this is going to be an extraordinary year. Yes, many churches and many people are talking about 2020 vision, but what is really about to happen is that we're going to see the manifestation of heaven on earth in an unprecedented manner than any time before in the history of planet earth. Well, Dr. Davis, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is that we are now about to leave the age of the anointing and going into the age of the glory. And it's really interesting that God the Father, Daddy God, Yuevahe, Lord God, Yahshua Mashiach, Christ Jesus, and Lord God, Ruhakadash, Lord God, Holy Spirit, has basically, <laughs> has basically taught me that we are leaving this age of, and they named the show Enter the Glory Zone, right? So God is showing me that we are leaving the age of the anointed and entering into the age of the glory. Why is this so important? Why is anointing so different from the glory? I just recently got revelatory knowledge. The Holy Spirit revealed to me through one of his generals of the kingdom of God is that you can be in the anointing. You can have the presence of the anointing. And guess what? The flesh is still active. What do I mean by the flesh? I mean, you can be in anointing and people can still lie. Do you know that? People can still be in the anointing. And once they leave the anointing, they can go back to flesh, fleshly ways. That's why people need to look at the character and the life of an individual more so than the signs and wonders and the miracles that they do, right? So, but what is different about the glory or entering the glory zone, which is the name of my show, by the way. So, the glory is very important. And in the case of the glory, then we are talking about where not only demonic activity is subdued, Satan and all his demons have to bow their knee in the anointing. But the flesh is not subdued in the anointing. But in the glory zone, in the glory, Satan, his demons, and every human agent that's used by him, they all must bow their knee. And guess what? Flesh, flesh will bow their knee as well. Well, Dr. Davis, Dr. Davis, can you um, give an example of that? Okay. How about the case in the New Testament? The age, the beginning of the age of the church age, the first century church, and there was a man of God, a man of wealth, um, and and was very um, nurturing and caring, and his name was Barnabas. He actually um, helped disciple Paul when, when everybody was afraid of Paul. Barnabas accepted Paul, believed in Paul, and brought him to the the church fathers, which was Peter at that time and James and John. 
and so forth, Philip. But Barnabas was very wealthy and the church had a need. And Barnabas took some land that he owned, sold the land and gave the money to Peter and the rest of the leadership of the church to be divided out and given to the body of Christ as needed. And he received a lot of accolades from the church. So much accolades that a couple named Ananias and Sapphira saw that. And Ananias, I would have to say, as the head of the household, he really coveted that praise. So they trying to, this is in the church age. This is, we're not under the anointing now because now the Holy Spirit has been released, right? So now the Holy Spirit has entered back into the earth. The seven spirits of the Holy Spirit has entered back into the earth. So now we're in full-fledged church age and the age of the Holy Spirit. Jesus the Christ, when he ascended and sat at the right hand of the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit back to planet earth to enter into the bodies of believers. So that's where he is housed, right? So Ananias and Sapphira decided to also sell land, but they didn't quite trust God because they plotted amongst themselves to take a part of the money and put it aside for themselves. And then they gave a partial, a partial offering to Peter. The issue was not the partial offering. They, he, they could have done that easily. All they had to do was say, we set aside a part of that, but this is a partial offering. But what they did was they pretended like it was the whole amount. And they went before Peter with the money, a partial offering, and they lied about it. And Peter says, why do you lie to the Holy Spirit? Because Peter had no way of knowing that they had done this, but the Holy Spirit had done this. So it was Ananias who went into the tent first. Ananias had gone into the tent to give the money because he wanted the accolades and the praise that Barnabas received. And he gave the money and Peter said, why do you lie to the Holy Spirit? And because they were, he was in the glory, the glory of God, he dropped dead. A few hours later, his wife, they dragged his body to the back and they buried him. Because they had to, they could have raised him up. They had the power to raise him up from the dead because Jesus had that. That's what Jesus did when he was here, right? So um, Peter and John and the other apostles all had the remaining apostles because Jude, um, Judas was had hung himself. So he had been replaced. So basically, they dragged his body to the back and his wife came in, Sapphira. And this is wives. This is very important. You are one with your husband. But when he does something that's not in alignment with God, holy word and his law, you have you cannot follow him in that. Now, you can stand back and pray for him or. You know, ask for godly counsel from your pastor or, or, you know, but you cannot do something that is not of God just because your husband 
is doing something of God, not of God, right? And so Sapphira came in. Her husband and her had rehearsed what they were going to say. And he probably told her, if they ask you, this this is what we're going to say. So Sapphira came in looking for her husband. And Peter and the Holy Spirit, in his mercy, asked her, was this all the money from the selling of the land? And the wife perpetuated the lie. And she dropped down and fell dead because she had entered what? The age of glory, the glory zone. So in the glory zone, not only is Satan and his demons and their human agents are subdued, but the all flesh is subdued and must bow his knee in the glory. And there are, there are, there are also levels of glory. You go from glory to glory to glory to glory. So that is an example of you can lie in the anointing, but you will die in the glory if you lie. I had recently just had been talking about God had revealed to me through my godfather, Doug Apple, about how do you know, how do you gauge your maturity, your maturity in the body of Christ? And there are five areas that you can identify to see your maturity in the body of Christ. One, the the body, your body should be disciplined. You should be eating properly. You should be exercising and you should not be overweight. And if you are overweight, such as myself, (laughs) you need to be working on getting it off through the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you. On what you need to do, right? And normally it's cutting back on certain foods and exercising and your weight will fall off. Yes, as you get older, your metabolism slows down, but you can still lose weight if you follow the Holy Spirit, right? And that's what I've been doing. And then the next area that you can tell your maturity in the body of Christ, your in the, the stewardship of your body The stewardship of your mind. You should be always trying to learn. You should always be trying to, I guess, better yourself by keeping your mind sharp. One of the best ways to keep your mind sharp is to read the word of God because wisdom Wisdom is in the word of God. And you can also ask for wisdom. You can ask for wisdom, insight, understanding, knowledge, the spirit of the Lord and a quick understanding and the fear of the Lord and the spirit and the discernment of what? Spirits, right? So this is what you can do. Your mind, you should be a good steward of your mind. And this shows your spiritual maturity. So the body, eating properly, dieting properly, getting plenty of rest, stewarding your body properly, your mind, seeking the king, seeking to learn, seeking to learn, you know, reading the word and trying to keep your mind sharp. And then your money, the money is a great indicator of your spiritual maturity. The money is a great indicator of your spiritual maturity. And you need to what? Tithe first. God must be first. 
first in your finances. And you, if you do that, you break off the spirit of mammon, right? The second one is, of course, is that you're going to be a giver. You're going to be a saver. You're going to budget your money. And so your money, your finances need to be in order. If you're, if you're in debt, then you need to ask guidance from the Holy Spirit to get out of debt and to manage, be a good steward of your money. So now we're good stewards of our body. We eat properly. We exercise. We get plenty of rest. We discipline our bodies. We fast and pray. We always seek to learn more, read the word, meditate on the word, saturate yourself with the word, with good teachings and the word of God. And now the money. We're good stewards of our money. We tithe. We are givers. We are budgeters. We are savers. We do not have a massive amount of debt. This is the sign of Good stewardship of your monies, right? So now, time. Another sign of spiritual maturity is the stewardship of your what? Time. Of course, God needs to be first. He needs to have the first moments of your day. You need to offer up your time to God. You need to have your quiet time with God. You need to have your prayer time with God. You need to meditate on the word with God. You have to have your, your special place, your secret place where you and God is just you and God. So that will automatically multiply your time. You, everybody gives 24 hours, right? But when you give anything to God, when you bless God with the first of your increase, that is going to be multiplied. And you're going to be doing things in 24 hours that regular people normally can't get done in 24 hours because you are a good steward of your time. You ask the Holy Spirit, what are the priorities? And of course, the number one priority is to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness is Christ Jesus. So seek ye first Christ Jesus and all other things shall be added unto you. So your time, you need to be good steward of your time. Your first priority after God is your family, you, you, yourself, and your family. Then your ministry, for all those who are ministers, right? I was listening to A.R. Bernard. A.R. Bernard is another phenomenal general in the kingdom of God who has another facet of God that he shares with the body of Christ. And he talked about, I think it was in 1987, I think it was, or 97 can't remember which one decade it was, but it was a critical juncture in his life and in his marriage because he had transposed and put the ministry before his family. And it was a very, very hard on his wife. And she was actually pregnant with twins during this season in their life. And because of his not having the correct um priority where his family is first he pastors his family first and if the how well he pastors his family dictates how well he can pastor the church that God has given him right and she miscarried their twins and so and it happened in the month of April I think it was 1987 or 
I think it was 87. Might have been 97, but it was a very hard time for them because he was out of order and it was a high price they paid the loss of their twin children, right? So time is a high priority and God is first in our time. Then making sure ourselves are taken care of and so that we can minister to others. It's not that we're into ourselves for selfish reason. We're in, we're trying to make sure that our bodies are in good shape. Our minds are sharp. Our money is in order so that when we have time with our family and then the ministry and other um, areas that Daddy God, Yuhay Lord God, Christ Jesus, Yahshua Mashiach, and Lord God, Ruha Kadash, Lord God, Holy Spirit, has us to implement for him in this earth that they're in the proper order. So time, the, a sign of spiritual maturity, is your how you steward your time. Uh, I just came back from working on um, my, I work with the Florida A&M University um, um, Developmental Research School. That's the K through 12 school. I've been doing that since 2009. And I have to be a good steward of my time in order to be able to do that. Because my job at FAMU is to teach the college students, the future teachers of science education, how to teach science effectively, to, to be able to truly transfer the concept, knowledge, and skills that they have learned to their students. So time is a critical thing. And you must be a good steward of your time, a good steward of your money, a good steward of your mind, and a good steward of your body if you want to be a spiritually mature. And of course, the last, the fifth category is relationships. You must be a good steward of your relationship. Number one, your stewardship of your relationship with God, the steward of your relationship with yourself, the steward of relationship with your spouse, steward of your relationship with your children. And there are going to be things. Now, one of the great generals, I just recently heard his son say about his father, is that his dad, if it was not in alignment with the mission, the destiny, no matter how good it was, he cut it off and we have to set boundaries. We must set boundaries, boundaries for ourselves. And we need to let the Holy Spirit through the word of God set the boundaries. There's a boundary for your marriage. There's a boundary on raising your children. There's a boundary on yourself, on how, what you eat, what you drink, what you think. There are boundaries. And if you stay within the boundaries of the, of the word of God, the boundaries of the Lord God, Holy Spirit, you will be blessed and you will prosper. And most problems in relationships is because of not setting correct boundaries or people breaching or trying to breach your boundaries. So good steward of your what? Relationships is a sign of spiritual maturity. So I want to share the latest revelation that I've just recently had and I've only shared with a few people. And because this is a year of manifestation where you will see heaven on earth, right? So 
in the case of this, we must understand the protocols of interfacing with the Father, with Lord Christ Jesus, and with the Lord God, Holy Spirit. And as we mature in the body of Christ and we become elders and fathers and and have a deeper understanding of the Father, we need to understand that when we pray, and especially when we fast and pray, because fasting is not about getting God to do something for us. Fasting is putting ourselves in a position of, of being in alignment with what God has already done. So in this powerful moment, God, through another general of the kingdom of God, revealed about another protocol in the kingdom of God when you go before the throne. Most people know how to pray and are praying to either Jesus, the Father, Holy Spirit, or something else. But people pray. And in the case of the believers, a.k.a. Christians, we pray to the Father, we pray to Christ Jesus, we pray to the Lord God, Holy Spirit. So when you enter into prayer, you're actually entering into a courtroom situation where God the Father is the judge, God the Son is, God the Father is going to give or probably already has done it, done it. He's given Christ Jesus the judgeship also. So he's a judge, the righteous judge. The Father is a righteous judge through the power of the Lord God, Holy Spirit. So in this particular case, God the Father is the righteous judge and Jesus takes the role of our advocate. Jesus takes the role of our counselor. So if you can imagine, you're already, as a Christian, you're already sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're already in the spirit realm sitting in heavenly places, right? So once we acknowledge that and we know that we're sitting in heavenly places, we enter boldly into the courtroom with our advocate, our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus by our side. And we can make supplications. We can make requests. We can make petitions. But the latest, the newest revelatory word, and I'll talk more about this on my next broadcast probably, is the divine restraining order. The divine restraining order. That's why I said it. The divine restraining order. In the United States of America, the most sought after Judicial um, order is the restraining order. Why? In the case of the divine restraining order and in the case of in the natural, when you have a restraining order, the responsibility for fulfilling that restraining order is not on you that have made the request for the divine restraining order. It is placed on God. God takes responsibility. Daddy God, you hey, vie, takes responsibility with long, and he dispatches his court appointed officers, which are his holy angels, to enforce the restraining order. So the God ordered restraining order, the divine restraining order that you request from God needs to, of course, be asked properly and you first have to repent, 
you have to repent for not being in alignment, not, you know, you know, walking upright in all your ways. Repent. The blood has already covered it. Yes. Our sins are already forgiven. Yes. Past, present and future sins are already forgiven. But you want to acknowledge to the father, acknowledge to Christ Jesus, acknowledge to the Holy Spirit that you recognize that you have have not been totally up walking upright in all your ways in your thought life or in your actions or your deeds or whatever. So you must repent. The next step is to request a divine restraining order for whatever you are being beaten down by the enemy by. Some people have financial issues. Put a divine restraining order on lack and poverty. Some of you may have um, physical issues. You may have cancer. You may have um, um, some other sickness, some other disease. You may um, be in pain, arthritis, whatever it is. Put a divine restraining order. Bound up sickness and disease. Bound up cancer. Bound up arthritis. Bound it up. Put a restraining order on it. A divine restraining order in the name of Jesus. Right? You might have relational prodigal son or prodigal daughter. You can put a divine restraining order on the spiritual entities. On Satan, the spiritual entities, the demons, and the human agents that are being used to cause your child to be a prodigal. And so they need to what? Come home. Put a divine restraining order on it. And I guarantee you this. If you will follow this practice, whatever has been plaguing you, whatever. How about a promotion? You have been waiting and waiting and waiting over and it's been held up and held up and held up. Put a divine restraining order. Put a divine restraining order on those demons, on those spirits, on Satan himself. He can no longer hinder and impede your promotion. Promotion comes from the Lord, not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. Daddy God, you hey vahe, Lord God, Lord God Christ Jesus, Lord God Holy Spirit. They are the ones that judge and promote and nobody can stop it, right? So put a divine restraining order. This is a perfect example of people perishing for lack of knowledge. I could have put a divine restraining order on the demon of divorce, that spirit that came and Satan, the demon of divorce, the demon and the spirits that are all connected to the demon of divorce and the human agents that Satan used to destroy my marriage. I could have put a divine restraining order on them if I had known this in the name of Jesus. Spiritual believers and listeners. Think about what has been plaguing you. Think about what has been harassing you. Maybe all your life. It is time for you to put the divine restraining order on these spiritual entities, on these demons. And guess what? God himself will enforce it and he will send a host of heavenly angels to enforce this. Satan himself <laughs> as a as an officer of the court. He is the pro- he is the prosecution. <laughs> 
He has to bow his knee to the divine restraining order of God. Daddy God, you hey, by hey, Lord God, Christ Jesus, Lord God, Holy Spirit, and God will enforce it. Please, please let me know. Reach out to me. Contact me either through 94.1 FM Wave 94 or reach out on my blog. I have a blog on the Apple platform. Oh, no, I'm sorry, on the Google platform. I apologize. On the Google platform, enter the glory zone with Dr. Edith Davis, my my um podcasts are on the Apple platform. And you can listen to this over and over again and share with others. So everyone who in the sound of my voice, let's try the divine restraining order and let me know how the Holy Spirit, because God is a God of his word and he will restrain the enemy and he will dispatch his angelic host, the officers of the court, to enforce the restraining order that you request. I want to close my broadcast with Romans 10:9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You are saved. Thank you for joining me once again on 94.1 FM Wave 94 into the glory zone with Dr. Edith Davis. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence.